Delaware, after a bevy of, of misplays, Delaware is in position to win this game. Pat Kehoe, who throws, it's caught. Touchdown! Touchdown, Blue Hen. A four-point lead, 30 seconds left. That extra point is key because now, now if you're Towson, you can't just have a field goal tying it. You have to go for six. Red zone football, eight seconds left. This is everything. The rush is on and wide open. He drops it. He was wide open over the center of the field. Three seconds. UD up by four. This is two, one. No more seconds left. Yes! And Delaware has done it. For the second straight home game, they have knocked off a top 10 opponent. Delaware wins this one 40 to 36. The team mobs by the student section. They can't believe what they just saw. Okay, heading into November. And in theory, we're in control of our destiny. Uh, we have an opportunity to earn a conference championship. So th these are things that, you know, last year after the Richmond game, the language wouldn't have been that, you know. So, but that's the building blocks. Um, and it's a uh, mental, uh, um, it's a, uh, it's a foundation that you're building every day in your program. You're just raising the level of expectation. That's all you're doing. And, you know, that's why this is a giant step. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Delaware Football Roundup by WVUD Sports. I'm Brandon Hovac. Today joined by Josh Deal to break down Delaware's 40-36 upset win against Towson yesterday afternoon into the evening. Delaware posting their first 300-yard passing performance since 2013 to mitigate some mistakes earlier in the game that we'll talk about on special teams to accomplish their second top 10 win of the season and perhaps a season-defining one at that. Josh, thanks for joining me on the show. Your first time on the Delaware Football Roundup, but it won't be your last time. We'll be at Albany together next weekend, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, but this past game was a lot of fun, too. Oh, it was incredible. I was on the call with Doug. I got the play-by-play -play call, and... Yeah, no, every every single minute of that game, you would think it was such a roller coaster to, to watch and obviously to call as well. I mean, uh, if you were listening on Saturday, just the absolute, uh, you know, them scoring, us scoring, them scoring, us scoring, turnover, turnover. Um, it was it was definitely the best game uh, Delaware football wise that I've seen up there I with uh, up there with the uh, Richmond win, uh, that double overtime victory that we got last year on homecoming. So uh, definitely a good one to watch. Delaware. Comes away with 40 points, their second highest scoring performance of the season. They allow 36, which is the second most they've allowed this season. But when it comes down to that final drive at the end of the game, 151 remaining on the clock, Dejon Lee takes them to, I think, the 36-yard line. something like that, yeah. Yeah, and then a couple couple tosses to Joe Walker, a couple Kanai Kane runs, and they finish it off with that Vinny Papali three-yard touchdown catch. Towson would make it interesting. They get the ball back with 30 seconds. Shane Simpson takes it to the 33-yard line the other way. Uh, Brent Richardson, one of their backup wide receivers, drops a touchdown pass Wide in open. the back of the end zone that would have won the game with, I think, like eight seconds left. Uh, but Delaware holds on. They make one more stop after that play. 
and they come away with the victory out of that final sequence. Yeah, I think that uh, not throwing it to Jabari Allen or Shane Leatherbury was such a bonehead move by Tom Flacco. Uh, or, I mean, even if uh, Ambrose is the head coach, right? Rob yeah. Ambrose. You know, for for him not to draw up a play where they had Leatherbury cutting across the middle, who is not only their top receiver, but also was unstoppable in that game. Him and Jabari Allen um, just contributed so much to that offense. And so throwing it to Richardson, who wasn't even in the top four of that depth chart, uh, that's like throwing in a guy that you just signed off the practice squad to catch the most important ball of the game. So I remember I was up there in the booth and I I saw it go through his hands. I mean, it hits him right in the chest. I mean, it was it was probably the the most catchable ball that Tom Flacco <laughs> threw all day uh, in that the red zone, which is a place that they struggled. I mean, that was yeah. I, I think that's one thing we'll touch on later about uh, Towson's offense, their their struggles in the red zone. But you know that was the that was the easiest touchdown throw all all game for Tom Flacco, and it just went. Right through, right through the breadbasket. So with the win, Delaware moves to six and two overall in the season. They're four and one in CAA play. They have a part of the lead in the conference with James Madison, Towson, and Maine. All four of those teams are now four and one in conference play, with three games to go for each of them. We'll talk a little bit more about the stakes of this game and what it means for Delaware season, and what we expect to see from the Blue Hens moving forward. But focusing in on this win, this this type of performance where early in the game they made a lot of mistakes, yep. and Coach Rocco alluded to that ad nauseum in his post game remarks, saying how you know kind of for a couple of times now this season they've made some mistakes that you wouldn't expect to win with against Elon. They're minus two in turnovers. They win that game against Richmond. They made a couple of mistakes that they were able to cover up with a strong offensive performance. Kind of the same deal here. We have those two snaps over Nick Pritchard's head, which in the first quarter results in a safety. Later on, they're able to get a Jabari Allen touchdown off of the Dejon Lee kick return right before halftime where he fumbles. And I think two plays later, Aiden O'Neill hits a career-long field goal to give him extra three right before halftime. Uh, those those were some you know plays that he'd really want to have back. And it seemed like at the end of the first quarter when they're trailing by 12, were really costly, but they end up being able to mask it. Yeah, I mean, Bill Cower says, who cares if we won ugly? Um, Danny Rocco cares if they won <laughs> ugly. I mean, that was that was a game that they shouldn't have won. Um, in my opinion, I think that I mean that was nine points off of that uh, off of the the two over the head snaps, and then another three, like you said, that fifty yard Aiden O'Neill right at the end of the the first half. So that's twelve points right there off of plays that you know really shouldn't have been made on on special teams. That was. Um, really just you know bad play by the, the Delaware special teams but um, we were able to to turn that around and you know you said you mentioned earlier Pat Kehoe 300 over 300 yards and four touchdowns the one thing that stood out to me was if you looked at the total yards on this on the scoreboard right. we had negative rushing yards heading into the second heading into the second half when we were it was 18 in to part six. because of those punts yeah yeah exactly and so um, can I it really took can I Kane uh, getting started on those two direct snap touchdowns, um, which I don't know how long we're going to be able to do that without people being able to uh, catch on. A people to bit. catch on, uh, but I mean, the, the other thing is um, Towson overall. They played a very aggressive game. I mean, going for it um, on fourth downs, and you know, obviously yeah, they had the one fourth down that second to last drive where Delaware could have gotten off the field, but they end up scoring a touchdown to go ahead by three with. Yeah under two minutes to go. And I think the big thing there was it almost looked like the Delaware defense let Shane Simpson into the end zone on that drive that they were the able next to, play that they were able the to go to the, run. the 36. Um, yeah. And then obviously the Philly special that they were able to pull off. The thing was, you'll hear it in the call. I say something about how 
on the sideline, they were doing the Philly Eagles wing flap. Oh, I didn't see that. And then uh, they were on the sideline, and then they call the timeout, and then they do it again. And I, I say in the broadcast, I say, I wonder if they're about to do a Philly special. And then the second that they call the play, they do the Philly special, um, which, I mean, if I'm just, a you know, an amateur up in the broadcast booth and I'm able to look down there and say, hey, maybe they're going to do, do some type of thing up there. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know. They watch a lot more tape than I do. So maybe they haven't hadn't pulled one off so far this season. Um, but I yeah, definitely. This was a game that Delaware probably shouldn't have won. But uh, I think a lot of uh, investment from the home fans uh, and a lot of energy from the defense and offense working together in that second half really is what put us over the edge. Do you think the special teams errors in the first half were something to really be concerned about moving forward, or you think it's more of a, a fluke performance? Um, I mean, obviously they were snapping in the rain, uh, so obviously you know you can't fault a twenty-year-old long snapper for you know maybe mishandling the ball and you know maybe putting a little bit extra on it. Um, and that's what it boils down to is these guys aren't professionals. They're, you know, they're, they're 20, 21 year old players out there. Um, but I think that, you know, Dejan Lee on that hit right before halftime, um, that guy came out of nowhere. He was running full speed right at Dejan Lee, put his head into the ball and knocked it out. So to be fair, I don't think that that's something to worry about, but, uh, there might be a long snapper competition in practice before uh, Albany next week. And that's something that we'll definitely keep an eye on. If you remember back to week one against Rhode Island, it was Jacob Rubenstein, who was in his first career game, who sent the snap over Pritchard's head that actually gave the Rams their first touchdown. And like we talked about a lot, there were, I think, four plays in that game that if they go the other way, Delaware comes out with a comfortable win. Yesterday was actually Skylar Kornick, who was the snapper on the two punts that went over Pritchard's head as well as the extra point snap that was a little bit high that kind of threw Frank Rago out of rhythm, yep. and he missed his first extra point off of. Uh, later in the game on the make by Rago, the extra point, they did switch back to Jacob Rubenstein. Yep. So that's something to, to keep an eye out for. Typically, we're not talking about long snappers yeah. a whole lot, but next week we might as we try to see if Delaware kind of gets that back in under control. And um, I, I agree with you. I think it's more a fluke thing, especially when you think about the, the fumble is, I think, a really good play by the Towson Special yes. Teams Unit. It's unfortunate, the timing of it, if you're Delaware. Um, the, two, the two snaps are unforced errors, but I don't think you're going to come to expect that yeah. um, from a snapper. And then with Rago, I mean, the guy hit 88 straight PATs. Yeah. He misses two in, in one game. So well, it'd be interesting to kind of get in his head a little bit after that, after making so many in a row. But he's been he's been money. He's I think he's missed three in his career yeah. so far here at Delaware. Jacob's a friend of mine. So that's that's the funny thing is I, I actually um, I didn't know if it was 55 or 58 that was snapping those. So I actually messaged him on Instagram today and said, hey, yo, was that you that, you know, was that you that uh, put those two over um, Pritchard's head? But yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it was Skyler. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, maybe just a couple of extra reps in practice for the uh, special teams unit on defense uh, on the kicking team, because there's no way that they should have gotten the field position that they got on multiple drives. I mean, yeah. the Shane Simpson taking that back to the 33 with 30 seconds left. Um, that's that was just a, you know, a, a big mistake by that defensive unit. So um if they, that's definitely going to be one thing that Rocco hits in practice. Um, I think special teams coach is Clint Sintum, right? So I think that's going to yeah. be one of Clint's focuses uh, going into that Albany game is making sure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen again. A lot of people will probably make a deal out of the fact that Delaware kicked it long with that 30 seconds remaining in the game. Did you think 
that was a situation where they should have tried an onside, or not an onside, a squib kick or something like that? Or were you comfortable with them kicking it long to Simpson? I mean, Towson was doing that all game. I think they did three or four squib kicks. And I, th- I thought that that was a little bit of a dirty play by Towson to do that. I mean, you're not expecting it to go to your, you know, your tight end or, you know, that that second line in front of the returner on every kickoff. Right. Um, but then when they did the squib again and Dejon Lee got it, he took it back to the 37. So, um, you know, it's really it really just varies on, on your coverage. I think that, you know, I mean, the the NFL standard, right, is to squib it to try to. But I mean, at to that prevent point, a long return. Yeah, to prevent the long return. But at the same time, you wanted to get some time off the clock. So I don't fault Rocco at all with going for the the long kickoff there. Um, I think, and in, in in the end, you know, if he squibbed it, you know, he could have taken it back to the house. So yeah, you know, or you set him up at the forty, and they have a timeout to get a long play down the field and set up a field goal or yeah. something like that. Or I guess they needed a touchdown. They needed at that the point. touchdown, but, but to set up another shot to the end still, zone or something. Yeah. Um, and and something I throw out there too is Jake Roth is been pretty strong at touchbacks oh, yeah. i mean he's got, got a school a record for touchbacks yeah. he didn't have one on that play but you would have you would have thought okay if he if he gets a touchback they start at the 25 with yeah. 30 seconds left and we're in a pretty good spot let's talk about the offense a little bit more yeah. and how they came out in the second half a 49 yard pass on the first drive to Vinny papali to set up one of those can i Kane touchdown runs Beautiful. 125 all it took to get yep. back on the board they get some momentum going in the second half and then Kehoe starts to take over with the passing attack, 240 passing yards in the second half, three of his four touchdowns after halftime. Yeah, I think um, him running out of the bootleg is dangerous. I mean, I think most of the the, the throws that he had, he was on a bootleg or um, Some form a of play, play action, action a lot or of play an action. RPO. Um, and so seeing seeing him run the offense was something that we really haven't seen all that much uh, to that extent. I mean, obviously, they usually feed it to Kanai about 20 to 25 times a game. Um, that's, I mean, I think against New Hampshire, he was 20 or 25 for like 125 yards, something like that. Um, and so, you know, usually Kanai gets those, those really solid runs in, but they really gave it to Pat. And I think Danny was like, look, you know, this is your game to lose, throw it out there and prove, prove yourself here. And that's exactly what he did. Um, Papali was a, a, a solid option the entire game. So was Charles Scarf. So was Joe Walker. And so he had those three, um, that were on fire. I mean, uh, Joe, not as much as Scarf and Papali, obviously Papali mm-hmm. with the two touchdowns. Scarf with those huge uh, sideline catches. I think he hit had two or three throughout the course of the game. And, and the two-point play, too? That was, uh, it, it was like he was hugging. I mean, that's, uh, again, I mentioned that in the broadcast, but, I mean, he caught that over the back of uh, number nine. I think it was uh, Terrell something uh, for, for Towson. I forget his name, so pardon me. But um, still, I mean... That huge two point, uh, two point conversion, and then obviously uh, getting Dijon Lee and Kanai Kane in the running game. We saw we've seen a lot of Kanai Kane, but uh, Dijon Lee is really just such a good change of pace back. So quick, so agile, and honestly, so small five nine, five ten. Yeah. Um. And so seeing him uh, working in that system is is really something that I've I've liked to see. Uh, and especially moving forward against Albany, against Stony Brook, against Villanova, I expect to see more of those uh, the switch off between Kane and Lee. You mentioned him real briefly, but we'll go back to him here for a second. Vinny Papali, eight yep. catches, 142 yards, two touchdowns, all three of those career highs. It's his 12th straight game with the catch, and really starting to become a favorite target yep. of of Kehoe. I thought he was excellent in this game, uh, especially you know, this is a Delaware offense that now. We haven't been accustomed to seeing it. You kind of alluded to that, but they make shots down the field. Like that's it's, it's, it's not it's, it's no longer like a, a running 
like they they want to establish the run, but I wouldn't say they're going to win the game with their running attack. No. Like they they win the game when they connect on some of these deep throws. And in the last couple of weeks, Vinny Papali, the touchdown against Elon that put them ahead uh, last or excuse me, a couple of weeks ago against Richmond has a couple of big plays down the field. In this game, the forty nine yarder had a couple of touchdown catches, a couple a couple of like outside lines where he really gets a nice separation from yep. his defensive back. He, they're really starting to put together something in the passing game. And Papali, maybe more so than any other wide receiver, Charles yeah. Scarf, with an oh, exception, but as yeah. outside of the receiver group, like he's really starting to be the guy. And and this was, was his big shining game. Especially going for touchdowns. Touchdowns and first downs are something that Papali thrives on. I think there was, I think of those eight catches, I think, you know, seven out of the eight were for first downs or touchdowns, if not all eight. He's a, a big chunk of yardage guy. He's not the guy that you go to on a little, you know, little, you know, dink and dunk route. Yeah. He's the kind yeah, of guy that you... They're not screening to him or no. anything like that. Yeah. Um, and he, the thing is, he is fast. Obviously, we saw that on that big 49-yard play where I didn't think that he was going to get enough separation or uh, he was even going to catch up to Kehoe's throw, but able to stretch out a little bit, um, make the catch, and then unfortunately fall right there on the one-yard line for Kanai to, to punch it in. But, um, you know, a, such a big play there from Vinny. Um, and I guess the big thing is uh, last year against Towson, Caruso threw for 45 yards <laughs> in that entire game. And they really relied on Kanai to do something, and we ended up losing 18-17 to 17 in Towson. This year, over 300 yards passing, and I think we got, I mean, I think our running game wasn't terrible. Um, obviously, those, those two Nick Pritchard over-the-head snaps kind of killed our, our stat line when it came to team rushing yards. But, yeah, if you look up, you know, Kanai and, I mean, and Dijon Kane, Lee. Kane's got 18 carries for 68 yards. By no means his best touchdowns. game, but a solid game. And then Dejon Lee, uh, seven carries for 27. Again, kind of changed your pace, made a couple of longer runs, and mm-hmm. was, you know, stopped short a couple of times. Yeah, and, I mean, you throw in those other guys, I think that's about 100 yards minus, obviously, those, those ridiculous Pritchard snaps that they have to throw into the stat line for team rushing yards. But overall, I think, you know, Kanane, uh, Kanane, <laughs> Kanai Kane had a, a lesser game when it came to yardage, um, but he really sh- was a, he shone bright when, it, when they needed him. Move the, the sticks, got in the end zone. Yeah. Um, those, those are plays that if you're going to be a winning football team, you've got to be able to get a yard. When, yeah. when everybody in the stadium knows you're running the football, mm-hmm. Kanai Kane's good enough that he's still tough to stop in those situations. Yeah. And I mean, if we're talking about running backs, Shane Simpson put on an, a clinic. Getting those five-yard runs, what what was his stat line? Shane for? Simpson was twenty-one carries, one hundred twenty-four receiving, or excuse me, one hundred twenty-four rushing yards, and let me get his receiving yards here because he was a contributor. He was a, he was a three catches, forty-nine yards, including a thirty-one-yard wheel route on like a busted play early in the first quarter yeah. to set up their first field goal. So I mean, that's like one hundred and seventy-five total yards on offense. On offense, and then you add what he did on special teams. He was he was an animal on that field. Um, and it, and really, I mean, we and honestly, in that first half, we couldn't say enough about Tom Flacco. Um, but really, what this team did, what I mean, Delaware, I'm talking about, was stopping them in the red zone. I think that is the, the yeah. one thing that you, the one big takeaway from this game, other than Pat Kehoe being a star at quarterback, is the fact that this team played a tremendous red zone defense. You know, forget about Jabari Allen's touchdown catches. Forget about you know them punching it in to score. Um, from that 13 from Shane Simpson. Um, 
But the big thing is they limited them to field goals when they needed it the most. Aiden O'Neill hit a 27 and a 21 yarder in that first half before hitting that 50 yarder. But those should have been touchdowns. There was one that got called back on an ineligible man downfield penalty uh, on their right guard. And then another one um, where they just, you know, were able to stop them. But really that defense uh, really put the nose to the grindstone on the in the red zone. And it, it, it was the difference maker in that game. Absolutely. And let's talk about the defense. The three red zone stops in the f- last five drives of the game for Towson, they only score one touchdown. Yep. I thought that there were problems in the first half, mm-hmm. but you're facing the best offense to this point in the season in the CAA. Tom Flacco, for a reason, is on the Walter Payton Award watch list, which is given to the best player at this level. I mean, he was making plays in the first half. Second half, they rise up and they start containing him a little bit better, not perfectly, but they Mm -hmm. contained him a little bit more, and they make those stops down the stretch and give the offense an opportunity to continue to mount that momentum for the comeback. Yeah, and he's still deserving. I mean, that is he he still still put on, he was marching down that field like it was nothing. Uh, Obviously, Rocco made those second-half adjustments that they needed. I think the big move on defense was taking uh, Casey Hinton off of Jabari Allen and putting Tenny Adewusi there. Uh, I think that was something that... So a little bit more Nigel Hill... Yeah, in, as, in, as well. In his place, yeah, um, on the other side. And then obviously, um, the one thing that we didn't see as much was Nasir Adderley. He had some Dropped plays. An interception. He had some, he almost he had had some an plays. Interception. Um, but that was the one thing we didn't see him in the return game after ending that guy's <laughs> life in New Hampshire last week. Um, you know, we didn't see him in the return game. We saw De- uh, really exclusively Dejon Lee and Vinny Papali, which is what you would expect. Um, but then on, on defense, he was almost, I guess they were almost throwing away from him. You know, this is a guy that's going to get drafted regardless, I think, at this point. Um, and so this is a this is a, a defense that is pretty sure. Um, but the one thing is Towson's offense is prolific. Yeah. Uh, they were the number one scoring offense in the CAA and, and going up against Delaware, which is one of the, the, the lowest points allowed defenses. Yeah, they were number two in number scoring two. defense heading in. Yeah, and so um, they were able to stop Trevor Knight, who was supposed to be the CAA Offensive Player of the Year right. um, last year, or last week, excuse me, in New Hampshire. And then, obviously, you know, Tom Flacco is the, I think, the best quarterback in the CAA. Yeah, so far I through, agree with that. So far through the season, and he's definitely the best one that we've, we've seen them play against uh, so far this year. And, you know, they had to make adjustments, and um, we, we were able to. And I think that second half was one of the shining moments – I think in the last five years, especially in Danny Rocco's. But I mean, if we included in Dave Brock's as well, I mean, this was this. this ha- I think if it's a shining moment in Rocco's <laughs> career, definitely it's gonna be probably a shining moment in Brock's too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in the last I mean, especially in my time as a as a blue hen, um, you know, going into my this is my last year. Yeah. This was definitely the, the best game that I was able to witness. Yeah. And you, you mentioned it earlier. The Richmond game is the one I compare it to last year's homecoming. And I asked Rocco about that after the game. I said, you know, last year you beat the number 11 team at the at the time. Uh, it was a week earlier in the season, but basically the same time frame. And you caught it your signature win. You said that this is, you know, this is what it's all about. Da-da-da-da-da. We're going to, like, celebrate this, and it's going to carry us through the rest of the season. Obviously, we know what happened. They lose two of their final four games in upset fashion against Towson and Villanova. Oh, no. So so I asked him, you know, how does how does this win kind of compare to that? And he said, well, last year, you know, that's a stepping stone to get to this point. You know, now we're a step further to where now we're playing for not just a playoff spot, but we're playing for a piece of the CAA championship, for a CAA championship. We now control our own fate. At this point last year, we still had a lot of work to do. 
he said, of course, going back to his original point of the whole post-game press conference, we have a lot of mistakes to clean Absolutely. up from this game, but it showed him that they had the ability to fight and to bounce back. And um, it would have been a crushing loss, I think, to lose this type of close. Like, let's yeah. say let's say Richardson catches the ball in the back of the end zone. I think that's crushing. And that yeah. really would we would be having a way different conversation right now. But he dropped it. And Delaware comes away with that win. And now I think they have so much momentum as they head into this final part of the season to where last year they had a lot of momentum, but there were still so, a lot more question marks about the team. I think I think they've really taken a step forward since that point when they beat Richmond in double overtime. Uh, the, the defense maybe is not quite as good as it was last year, at least in the front seven without Blau and Blaine Woodson bringing pressure. You yeah. saw a little bit of that in the first half, but the offense is a hell of a lot more impressive they can move the ball through the air, which I think playoff teams at some point when it comes down to it have to be able to pick up third downs through the air. And they did a lot of that in this game against Towson and a lot of pressure late in the game at Delaware Stadium. Yeah, it was a chippy game. Uh, mm-hmm. It was one, like I said, that we probably shouldn't have won, but we did. Uh, and going into next week against Vincent Testaverde <laughs> and the the Albany Bull or Albany Great Danes, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. And we're carrying a lot of momentum. And obviously, they're gonna address the special teams in practice, but. Right now, uh, these guys are celebrating. I mean, that was probably one of the the most exciting post game fight songs that I was that I ever saw. Um, you know, the mob over there by the tunnel um, was just a, an incredible thing to watch, and the fans that stayed there and you know w- watched through the rain, through the wind, through the cold uh, to see them pull away that forty to thirty six victory was uh, you know definitely a a, a big. A big moment, uh, you know. Honestly, uh, like a, a landmark yeah. victory um, for this this uh, promising program. And I think if if Delaware season continues on this same trajectory, and even the program as a whole, if in a couple of years from now there are now perennial CAA contenders, I think this is the type of game that you look back to and say, "This is the beginning. This is where it all started. It yep. started with that upset win against Towson at Delaware Stadium." And maybe in a couple of years, then that's more the expectation than kind of this exciting thing that maybe a lot of fans didn't expect. As we spin it forward to next week's game against Albany real quick, as we wrap up here on the Delaware Football Roundup, is there anything about this game that makes you feel like they need to really guard against a letdown? Do you think a similar result to what happened after that Richmond game in the Towson game could happen up in New York? Or is is this team kind of beyond that? Albany is coming in as the underdog. I mean, they are not a great team in the CAA. I think they're definitely two toward, and six, one and five. Um, and so, you know, this is a team that is going to. This is going to be their championship. If they can beat Delaware at home, they're going to have a lot of momentum. Um, I mean, obviously, like they've they haven't won a lot, but that's the thing is, you know, this could be a trap game. I know we talked about New Hampshire being a trap game for Delaware last week, coming off of the big Elon victory. True. Um, but going up to Albany. Um, we're going into their territory and, you know, if they are able to beat the team that's kind of, you know, the underdog as it stands in the CAA um, and they're able to beat them, I think that, you know, this is going to be their accomplishment if Albany's able to pull that off. So obviously they're going to watch a lot of tape. They're going to, you know, focus so much on how to game plan for Kehoe, uh, especially seeing him throw more. I think that, you know, Rocco, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so they're going to try to guard against Kanai Kane, and they're going to guard against uh, Pat Kehoe, and then they're going to throw away from Adderley. They're going to t- hit Casey Hinton, which is— Or Hill. Or, you know, Nigel Hill, same thing. Uh-huh. Um, and they're going to, um, you know, avoid those zones that Colby and Troy and uh, you know, Charles Bell are in, uh, because that was a lot of what it was, was, I mean, they were able to throw it by 
you know, Troy Reader, which for that big Shane Leatherberry over the middle, Troy Reader was right there, but Tom Flacco was just able to read the zone and and throw it right past him. So um, they're gonna they're gonna go watch a lot of tape. I don't think I think they're gonna have a lot of maybe not sleepless nights, but there's gonna they're gonna have a long a bunch of long nights in that tape room watching this game specifically to see where they can attack, especially maybe on special teams since that has been a weak point. Um, adding a lot of pressure to Pack Kehoe, uh, maybe trying to contain him, having a, a middle linebacker spy to see if you know if he's going on that. Um, on that bootleg, uh, then maybe you know uh, add that add that extra pressure. So um, there's definitely a lot of a, a lot of points that this team can exploit. This is by far Delaware is not a flawless football team, but they are able to put together chippy wins. I think they kind of rallied behind Ashworth's uh, taunting or you know unnecessary roughness penalty that he got on that that sideline, um, and they were able to rally. And then also the. Uh... The kitchen play. We didn't talk oh, about that. Sack. The sack that wasn't. <laughs> the quote unquote <laughs> sack. Two of them, really. I think that there was there was two plays where uh, Tom Flacco was on his last legs, metaphorically and, and figuratively, yeah, and quite yeah. literally speaking, um, where you know he was able to throw a throw the ball first to Yidi Thernat or however you pronounce his last name. It was so tough. I was it, trying to like write little, that down. It was a little and bit I was tougher. Like, oh man, this is slowing me down. <laughs> trying to find Yidi his name. Thernat. Um, but yeah, apologies but, to, to Yidi. Um, <laughs> if you're but, out there, the uh, what a Tennessee Tech transfer. Uh, I was able to throw that out there yesterday on the broadcast. But um, <laughs> nice, yeah, you gosh. did your homework. Not only the not only the PA announcer was having a hard time with it, but um, <laughs> every everybody in the stands was like there, there, not. Um, nevertheless, I mean, thirty nine, thirty nine of you were there. <laughs> yeah, um, able to throw that off and and really, um, it was a, it was a big. Uh, those were two big plays where the the Delaware. Uh, faithful, really, in the stands were really they rallying. Yeah, they the weren't team. very happy about that. We had to turn the crowd mic down a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, and then after the Albany game, you got Stony Brook, who's ranked right now. That's big. That's and a big game. Villanova. You know, how do those, how do those games stack up? <clears throat> well, we lost to Nova last year big, 45 10, right? I think was the final score there. That was a, a ridiculous loss. Something, it Some, was, it was it, huge. Yeah, I think it was at least a three touchdown margin. I forget the exact score. Yeah, um, I think 45 to 10 was our Cornell win. Um, this year, so maybe that's what what's running through my head right now. But a big a big win uh, for Villanova at the end of, of last year. That was again that was their championship, winning that battle of the blue. Um, and then obviously for us, um, you know Stony Brook is the must win game. Obviously Albany and Nova right now they are not ranked as they're not ranked period, and they're very low in the the CAA standings. Uh, so those are games that we consider a um, you know an easy win, but this Delaware team can't go in with that mindset. Right. They there aren't to, easy wins in this conference. No, they have to go in. I mean, we thought URI was going to be an easy win, and then uh-huh. we, we pull away with a 21-19 defeat. Um, I remember sitting in this chair, actually, except it was over in the in the studio, and saying, oh, we're going to crush URI. We're going to go. We're going to either lose. We're either going to lose to Richmond or we're going to lose to uh, like North Elon Dakota or State. No, New Hampshire. Yeah. We're, we're going to lose. We're going to yeah. lose to one of these teams, but we're going to be either ten and one or nine and two by the time the season rolls around. We're, I, and I think I said I, we were going to be ten and one, and everyone in the studio looked at me like I was crazy. Um, but at this point, a nine and two, nine and two is possible. Nine and it's two, very possible. It's, it's a very possible uh, result for this team. So. Um, you know, obviously, these are three games that I think we can win. That's not the question. I think the the question is um, our mindsets going into them, and if we go into any of them thinking that we're going to win, that's when that trap game, you know, that that kind of turns that, on. Yeah, and I would say if you're looking at 
what gets Delaware into the playoffs, I would say two of the next three, regardless of who they're against, because they do have the two top 10 wins in their pocket resume-wise, and no CAA team since the playoffs moved to their current format five years ago has been left out with that 8-3, 6-2 record. But there's a potential to to be better than just a playoff team. There's a potential to be that automatic CAA bid to be 9-2 overall and I guess 7-1 in CAA play. That's that's a very real possibility. There's a potential that Delaware will be favored in all three of these games. They'll be favored in at least two of the three. They might be underdogs going on the road against Stony Brook, but all three should be really exciting games. Josh, my last question to you is... You mentioned your your lofty preseason prediction. As you've gone through the ebbs and flows of this season, how has, if it has at all, your opinion changed of this team and what you think this team can accomplish? Our two losses were a ridiculous upset in our first home game against URI and a pretty easy to say that we were going to lose to North Dakota State. I was producing that game. You were on the call. Um, and I remember us kind of, you know, talking back and forth. We were like, so well, like, well, <laughs> well, okay, well, we're just going to move on to next week. 28-0. <laughs> yeah. It's like, First you know, quarter. What, what, what's Belichick's thing? is like, oh, we're going on to Cincinnati. We're playing yep. Cincinnati, you know. And I'll, um, I'll check the snap face. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that we're uh, – that's kind of what we're, we're dealing with here is, you know, um, we if, if we won every game that we should have won – um, we might not have the record we have. You know, if if we were expected to beat Tal, or if, if you know Towson was expected to beat us, and if they did, uh, if Elon was expected to beat us, and they did, uh, North Dakota State, same thing. We'd have three losses. But we play up to certain competition. The one thing that we can't do is play down these next three games. We'll have coverage of the Albany game next weekend, beginning at 3.15 on 91.3 WVD. It'll be Josh and I on the call. It should be a lot of fun. And we'll have the remaining two as well on WVD. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.